Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. Each episode, I speak with industry experts from the attractions world. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and all the usual channels by searching Skip the Queue. In today's episode, everything has been turned on its head. Paul Griffiths, director of Paints Hill Park, is interviewing me about what it really takes to launch a podcast and why we started Skip the Queue in the first place. I think I should probably be worried about the icebreaker questions. Hello and welcome to this latest edition of Skip the Queue. I'm your guest presenter today, Paul Griffiths, and I'm delighted to have a very special guest with me today, Chief Cheese herself, Kelly Molson. Kelly, welcome to Skip the Queue. Thank you for welcoming me to my podcast. <laughs> That's all right. It's, uh, it's an honour. I know we've been, uh, we've been trying to get you on the show for a long time, so <laughs> it's great to finally get there. Now, we're here today to talk about how, how you made a podcast and how you turned Skip the Queue into the, the ultimate podcast for visitor attractions. But before we do that, of course, regular listeners will know we have to start with our icebreaker questions. Kelly, are you ready for some icebreaker questions? Uh, I know. I don't think I am, if I'm completely honest. I'm starting to feel like this was a big mistake. No, no. We'll just think, you know, all the people you've had on and all the questions you've asked them, I think, I we're, going, I think we're going very easy on you, like you do for your guests. You've not been in difficult positions. Now, Kelly, through the series of podcasts, I think we've all learned little bits about you through various things you've said or say. So I've tried to theme these questions slightly on your interests. So I know you're a big fan of all things 80s, yes. so particularly music. So I want to know, and our guests want to know, what is your favourite 80s dance floor filler of all time? Oh, oh uh, OK. Do you know what? We, it's, this is really weird because we were just talking about 80s music on our, Monday, on our um, morning catch-up with the team. Um, because one of my team members... So we've got a um, we've got a password system that we built ourselves, and it's called Kenny Loggins. Nice. And one of and yeah, I know, great, right? But one of our team was like, "Who's Kenny Loggins?" Lost my mind. Okay, so I think a, a, a great eighties dance or filler. It's got to be Wham, hasn't it? I feel like um, like something like Club Tropicana. Nice would be would be a, a good choice. But I do, on the theme of Kenny Loggins, I do love a bit of Footloose. And I also am a massive Top Gun fan. So um, highway to the danger zone. <laughs> I mean, is, there any, is there anything more 80s than that? I don't it's think so. a perfect song, isn't it? The aviator sunglasses on. Funny enough, you should mention Club Tropicana. My, my son, Barney, who I think I don't mention before, I'm going to skip to you. His class ha- have got the 80s as an era for world music, their decade, oh. each class in decade. And they had to vote on what song they wanted to sing and dance. But Club Tropicana didn't make it. Oh. They had Club Tropicana, Madonna's Holiday or Madness is Our House. And they went for Our House as a class vote. Oh, right. I'm disappointed. It's the spirit of the 80s for me. Mm, absolutely. Okay, now we all know that you are a, a big Spurs fan. So we're going to give you an option here. You've got to pick one of these two strikers who is going to play for Spurs forever. But the one you reject is off to play for the Arsenal forever. Oh. So will you take Harry Kane up front for Spurs forever? Or will you take an in his prime Gary Lineker to play for Spurs forever? The other's off to the Emirates Stadium. Oh, God. Now... Give you some help here, maybe. Uh, Lineker scored 80 goals in 138 games for Spurs. Kane's, at time of recording, 166 goals in 242 games. Obviously, a lot more games played now with all the European football. But who are you going to take? And who's off to the Emirates? Oh, my God. This is awful. This is a dreadful question if you're a Tottenham fan. Because Gary Lineker... Oh, God, I'm going to... This is terrible. Gary Lineker was just... I mean, he was just an absolute hero. Oh, and I can't imagine him. No, God, this is dreadful. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go, Lineker. I, I just, oh, I, I, sure. yeah, and no, I'd have to because I just feel like I couldn't live with, like the hist. I couldn't live with watching him on the telly and him having played for Arsenal. No, I'd have to go for Lineker. I know that doesn't work out on terms of like how many goals and stuff, but. 
No, but, you, but that ratio... My, it's from my childhood. I just, yeah, I couldn't bear that. Oh, you get Gaza as well as a package. It comes with Gaza, so there oh, you go. I wanted to marry Gaza. Genuinely, <laughs> when I was a kid, Ga- yeah. Gaza was like my... Yeah, I thought I was going to marry Ga- Paul Gascoigne. Maybe I had a bit of a lucky escape there, though. I was going to say, it's probably better you didn't. <laughs> right, we, and the other thing we know you love is visitor attractions, especially as you've spent, you know, so much time on a, on a podcast talking to it. So... There's some uh, either ors for you here. Do you would you go to Disney Park or Merlin Park? Disney. Museum or stately home? Hmm. Stately home because I really like the grounds as well that become part of a state like that kind Ooh, of outside yeah. space too. So stately home, I think. Good answer. National Park or landscape garden? Oh, I mean National Park. Fair enough. I'm going, I feel like I'm going to upset. <laughs> I'm going to upset someone along the line, aren't I? But oh, how I'm could right. I not say national parks? I mean, I that's what icebreakers are all about. But moving on to upsetting people, of course, we have to ask you: What is your unpopular opinion? Right. Well, I thought about this, and I've got many. Um, I've got one about Lorraine Kelly, but I'm not. I don't know if I'm prepared to take the backlash for that one yet. So I, I might save that for another day. So I'm going to go. <laughs> Oh, I've got so many. I'm going to go with afternoon tea is rubbish. Absolute rubbish. I don't understand why every, when you get to a certain age as a woman, every like, I don't know, all of your mates are like, hey, let's do after, let's go out for afternoon tea. I'm like, really? I'd rather go to the pub. And I don't understand what meal afternoon tea actually is because you always have it at about three o'clock. So do you have lunch before you go? Because I'll be hungry by three, you know. So do do you have lunch and then you have tea and then you have a dinner. So you're having an extra meal and then you never get enough sandwiches, too much sweet stuff, not enough sandwiches. And you have it with tea. I just don't get I just don't get it. It's just not for I think me. that's a really well thought out answer, Kelly, there. And I, I have to say, I'm with you on a lot of those points. Although, as someone who's selling afternoon teas from this afternoon on, I'm a great fan, of course. But I still come with Prosecco, so maybe that's an added bonus. Yeah, I mean, if there, yeah, if it's Prosecco-based one, it, it elevates it slightly for me. But I still just, I don't understand the big hoo-ha about an afternoon tea. And I just, you know, the idea of it is actually better than the reality, I think. I think that's going to be an, afternoon, an unpopular opinion that splits a few of our, our listeners, but I think it's yeah. a good answer and well thought out. Thank you. So, Kelly, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, You're welcome. No, it's great to have you. you. You know that we're all great fans of Skip the Queue, and I think we'll talk about it later. We built up, you built up an amazing sort of almost family of listeners who, who've almost become a little group that talk regularly together, etc. And, and there's been a lifeline for many over the last year with, with resource and with so much, um, you know, great content that's helped so many of us through through lockdown, reopening, sharing experience. I mean, there's amount of times I've been in the car chortling at people's experiences because, of, you know, the laughter of recognition because I've been there myself. And I think we want to know a lot about how you set up the podcast. I thought it'd be really useful to start with because over the podcast, we've learned a lot about you as well. But I thought it'd be great if you told us a bit about how you became Chief Cheese and how you, you know, set up Rubber Cheese, why you got the name. I know you did tell us on another podcast, but people might not listen to uh, our American friends. So, yeah, just chat a bit about the background before we go into podcasting. Gosh, so Rubber Cheese has been around for 18 years now, which is, it's, it is the longest job that I've ever had in my entire, in my entire life. I met my co-founder, Paul, when we were working at... Um, kind of uh, an internet company so it's kind of like it was the it was the first kind of foray into people being able to build their own e-commerce stores you know like you know you've got like Shopify now where you can mm. want to build your own store so about 20 years ago there was a version of that called um iShop which is still around now and Paul and I met working there and I think there was just something we we just kind of always wanted to do something for ourselves so I think I worked there for a couple of years got a bit of a taste for kind of web stuff I was a graphic designer previously to that Mm. I used to design like branding and brochures and marketing materials all kinds of stuff and packaging as well and so yeah we were 24 and 25 and we just thought hey let's leave our jobs and go and set up an agency right what could be difficult about that what could go wrong what could go wrong (laughs) um and lots went wrong but I know actually it was great uh it, it was 
look, we didn't really have a huge amount of ties at that point. So it was kind of like, let's just give this a go and see what happens after a year. And about two months in, we won a really big contract with Tesco's via a friend of mine who I'd recently reconnected with on Friends Reunited, which is really aging me. Yeah, we are aging ourselves there, both doing that one, yeah. Massively. Um, And just, it kind of started there, really. So we won this big contract with Tesco's. It was a two-year contract. It put us in a really great position of them being able to go, okay, well, great, you know, our rent's paid. Um, And we could then start to look at clients that we were working with and just kind of grew quite organically. It was just the two of us for five years. And then we took on our first full-time employee who kind of, she she came in as a, desi- as a designer. So she sort of took my design role. And then that was at the point where I became chief cheese. <laughs> so I then had to stop learning about design, so to speak, and start learning a lot about spreadsheets and pipelines and sales forecasts and all the stuff that was really hugely complicated to my creative brain. And it's just, yeah, it's just gone from strength to strength, really. So we've been really incredibly lucky. I mean, look, there's there's seven of us. We're not a huge, huge agency, but we work with global brands. And um, I just think we've been so incredibly fortunate over the years to work with some amazing clients. Mm. And the last kind of six, seven years, a lot of them have been within the kind of tourism tra- attractions sector, which is um, where we end up today. And what about the name? How did you come up with rubber cheese? Because it is fabulous. Thank you. Um, I, I really want to tell you that there's an amazing story behind it, but it's so dull. <laughs> so Paul and I were, um, again, this is like nearly 20 years ago. We, we were teaching ourselves to use flash animation, which was all the rage back then. And we needed a website where we could kind of upload stuff and test it out and see if it was working. And Paul was like, oh, we'll, just, we'll buy a domain, uh, rubber cheese, that'll do. So we just bought this domain. And then when we left the company, we said, oh, we'll, we'll take that domain with us. We'll buy it. We'll buy it and take it with us. And that was it. There was, there, you know, there was no, it was just, okay, well, great. We've got this ridiculous name. That will draw some attention, won't it? So I'd love to say, you know, from a branding perspective, you should really think about your name and what that means. But we didn't do any of that whatsoever. It just became this this odd name but it was quite it was quite funny because whenever when when we'd start to go to like networking events um or even just the bank to pay in a check you know how retro is that you you'd get asked you know what is rubber cheese you know and you'd you'd end up having these great conversations with people about you know what it was sometimes I'd go to a networking event and people would go we've been waiting for you to turn up because we really wanted to know what rubber cheese is (laughs) it was kind of like oh this works in a way, you know, because people want to talk to you and find out a little bit more. So I think we did, uh, we might have thought about changing the name at one point, but it's, it's there, it's there to stay. It's perfect. And it allows you to be chief cheese. What more do you want? Maybe? Exactly. So from rubber cheese, and, and obviously you said in the last six, seven years, you've been focusing, or well not focusing, but dealing with a lot of visitor attractions. Talk about a little bit for us, Kelly, about how you, set up skip the queue and, and what made you do that and why if you're working in a number of sectors you thought actually tourism is where I want to focus on visitor attraction yeah so we we have worked in lots of different sectors over the years we've been really lucky but what happened is we we started working so we I mentioned a global client earlier we've been working with Perno Ricard for probably about 10 years in various forms and um probably I think it was about it must have been about five or six years ago that we started talking to them about um, the Plymouth Gin Distillery Visitor Centre. Mm. Fabulous place. And we were contracted to build a platform for them, which was a ticket booking platform. And what was really great about that project is it was our first kind of foray into understanding like the visitor experience and, you know, the experience economy and a tourist, a tourist attraction and a visitor attraction. What, you know, what challenges they had. And it was it was the best project. Like everybody loved working on this project and it was such a good kind of learning experience for us. And so that worked really well for them. They then rolled it out to the Beef Eater Distillery and then we've been working again with four of the whiskey distilleries um, up in Scotland as well. And so over the those kind of three years, four years that we've worked with them, we just built up this huge amount of knowledge about, you know, what they were doing and their challenges and how we could make things work better for them, which then led to winning 
other projects in that sector so you know it's fabulous that we work with Eureka the National Children's Museum who are just wonderful I just if you haven't been there please go find a child to take so that you can go it's definitely it's worth it you know brilliant brilliant one of your podcasts a few a few episodes ago listen to chat about the new the new Eureka that's a really inspiring I think everyone then was like I want to go I want to go oh definitely yeah and the new centre is going to be incredible I cannot wait for for next year when that opens we'll all go with our crocs and and socks on (laughs) oh Michelle Michelle with her crocs and socks please don't do that um so yeah it kind of came from there really and I think it was what was interesting is that all of the team are very much we're all we're all people that kind of spend our money on doing things rather than buying stuff if that makes sense so we're all kind of you know we want to we want to spend our money on things that make memories so you know we love to travel Lee and I we we travel a lot we like to go to different places you know we like to if even like Christmas presents we don't really buy each other stuff we'll go okay well why don't we go to the theatre or why don't we go and, you know, that's that's what we would rather do with the, with the money that we have. And um, we just spoke to the team and said, look, we've never done this before, but we'd really like to kind of focus all of our attention on one sector. What do you think? And everyone was up for it. Everyone was behind it. And that's really where the idea kind of came from, because although we'd been working in that sector, we didn't know enough. We do, It wasn't broad enough for us. So the podcast was a way for us to learn more from people. Mm. Um, and so that's how we came up with the idea of starting it. I should have said earlier, actually, I must say thank you to a number of regular listeners who've, who've emailed in or linked in or used Twitter with questions. And lots of these I hope I'm covering in the next, um, next bit of the, the show, a um, number of questions that people have sent in. And a lot of people were interested, Kelly, to know how you initially set this up from a brainwave of let's do a podcast to recording and turning skip the queue into what it is but how did you start up in that sense so I guess there's I guess there's quite a few facets to it really because you have to think about why you're doing it in the first place so that for me is the first starting point it's like why are you doing it so what are your objectives with the podcast and ours was really it was initially about education we wanted to understand about the sector understand about people's individual challenges what the sector was going through um, good things, bad things. We wanted to meet people in the sector. So again, we wanted to expand our network. We really wanted to to kind of create a platform where we kind of celebrated the people that worked in attractions as well, because we thought that was really important. There's a lot of things that happen or behind the scenes in attractions that you don't realise when you visit them. Um, mm. And even the people that you're talking to front of house, you don't realise the kind of pressures that they're under or or you you're sometimes not aware of the of the service that they're delivering you you know so it was kind of like well why don't we celebrate that and then you know ultimately it was a way of raising our profile in the sector as well so you know from a from a marketing perspective a podcast is a really great thing to have because it can position you right in the center of that industry that you want to be part of so that was a big part of it and then we had to kind of look at how we were going to do this and what skills did we have internally to be able to set up a podcast and so I think Paul and I were like okay well we can we can host you know a lot a lot I do a lot of public speaking for the agency anyway so I was quite comfortable talking although a podcast is very different than standing up in front of you know hundreds of people at an event that it's in some ways it's more uncomfortable uh, but I'll tell you but I'll tell you why it started off being a bit more uncomfortable. Um, and then you have to think about what format your podcast is going to be. Mm. So is it going to be you just delivering your knowledge or is it going to be, are you going to try and get guests in? What are those topics going to be? You know, what are you going to talk about? How are you going to find the guests that you want to come on? Are they going to say yes? You know, is anyone going to say yes, they want to come on this podcast? I don't know. Um, what kind of content is there going to be? And then you have to really think about like where where your audience is because anyone can set up a podcast, but not everyone's going to find it and listen to it. So mm. you have to think about is there an element of community community building that you need to do around this podcast as well? You know where you where you promote it and how you get that out to to the right people. And then once you've done all of that, you have to think about okay, well. Uh, who's going to edit this podcast? How are we going to actually make it a thing? You know, I can sit and record something 
Um, none of us internally had any podcast editing skills. And we made the decision really early that nobody was going to learn that. It was going to be too much of a time drain for us. So we were going to outsource that element. So we worked with Steve Foland, who is super. Um, we knew Steve. He lives, uh, he works and is based locally to where our, our office is. Um, but he works on some really awesome podcasts. Uh, and he actually has his own podcast doing it for the kids. And he's got a really great podcast about for the freelance community as well. And then it's down to where are you going to host the podcast? You know, you need some kind of platform to host it on. What are you going to record it on? And how are you going to promote it? So we we talked about building a community. If you're going to promote a podcast, you need things like graphics created. You know, are you going to have your podcast transcribed? That was really important to us. You know, we wanted to make the podcast as accessible as possible to everyone. So, you know, not everyone can listen to a podcast so we make sure that it's transcribed. So you need to have that done so that people can read the podcast if they if they want to. So there's, there is a huge amount of things to kind of decide on before you go, right, let's do it. It's interesting. Lots of the points you've touched on there, Kelly. I'd like to delve into a little bit more in detail if we can over the, the next few questions. Um, a lot of people, one of the things that came up a lot when we, we put the plea out for questions and what people want to know was costs, because you just described things that people aren't doing free of charge. And I wondered if you could give an idea of what it costs to, to do an episode or what it costs to set up or whatever figures you're happy to give. It just, I think a lot of people would be interested to know what sort of budgets they would need if they're looking to set up podcasts. Yeah, totally. Um, so I've thought about this in quite great detail. Um, so the, the, because we knew initially we were not going to edit, we didn't have to buy any editing equipment. So I, I'm really sorry I can't answer any questions about that because genuinely the best thing that we ever did was hire Steve to do the editing. He's a specialist. He makes everything sound brilliant. He even makes me sound funny sometimes. But what we did purchase were things like uh, a really good microphone. So this is my microphone. The Blue Yeti microphone, which was about 120, 150 pounds, somewhere around that. But that's a really great investment. It was a bit of trial and error, actually. We bought other microphones that weren't that great. Um, and then ended up going back but this has been the best one that we've bought you need good headphones these are average headphones my good headphones I actually left at the office and I haven't been back there for a while so a good a good pair of headphones kind of noise counseling ones normally quite good I don't know 30 40 quid for for a pair like Mm -hmm. that I mean you can you can go higher if you want but something around that price bracket would be fine um Editing an episode is an interesting one. You can hear my little dog barking in the background. Steve will edit her out. Oh, really? He'll work his magic somehow. You probably won't be able to hear her. But that, for us, is worth the weight in gold. So... Desperately on the show, isn't she? She's, she's, so, she's such a drama queen. She just she craves attention. I mean, I wonder where she gets that from. Um, mm. <laughs> um, but then you need to think about your site hosting. So we host our podcast on a platform called uh, Simplecast. That's about £15 per month. Um, We record through Zoom and Steve curses me for recording through Zoom because the sound quality is not great. We used to record through a platform called Zencaster, which again is a a cloud-based platform. It's about £15 a month. Now, the the reason we stopped recording through Zencaster is it became a bit complex for the guest and sometimes some of the guests didn't really understand what they needed to do even if I'd sent instructions um, people are really busy you know they don't always read the things that they that they need to before they come on which is understandable Zoom everyone was really comfortable using because they were using it every day for all of their meetings so it just became easier for us to do Zoom. So we've got a pro a pro Zoom account, um, but obviously we use that for other things as well. So I don't really tie that into kind of podcast costs. But then you need to think about who's going to create your promotional graphics for this. We're lucky. We've got in-house designers. I've got an amazing VA who helps supports me hugely, you know, with our podcast. So we've got kind of templates set up, Um she will then create all of the podcast graphics from the templates that we've already got in place. But that is potentially a cost that someone needs to Mm. think about. Then I said we get it transcribed each episode. It's roughly about $40 to get it transcribed. So there's lots of kind of little things that you don't think about 
that you need to think about in advance. We also run a competition. So there is a cost to that in the fact that you have to purchase the books that people recommend. Sometimes they recommend two or three when I ask for one and then that puts my budget up (laughs) and then the postage for that and things like that. So I think, I think we worked it out that the podcast probably costs about five to six grand a year, which isn't a huge amount. If you've got, it it depends what your marketing budget is, but it also then depends on what the returns or what your expected returns are for that podcast and for that, for that amount. So you have to work out that and that takes you back to why are you doing this in the first place? And is this a worthwhile investment for you? Well, I think we'll, that'll be one of my latest questions, actually. Um, thank you for that, Kate. It's really honest and I think that's really useful for people because I think that's one of the things that a lot of people, me included, probably felt what you were on Zoom. You record speaking to someone, bang, it's up live. But actually, there's so much more work behind it, which is, which is quite frightening. You, you've obviously managed to attract brilliant guests and I think they get better and better all the time. But how did you go about, well, firstly, can you tell us about how you got the initial guest? Because you had no podcast, you were starting it up, and you had to find 10 people on. And you look back, you had some fabulous people in those early days, you know, of, of real industry leaders coming on the show. And then how do you now go about getting guests and picking topics and, and, and thinking about what people might want to hear about? Yeah. So it was really difficult to get guests when mm. we first started because you haven't got anything to show them. You've mm. got no proof of concept. You're just kind of getting in touch with people and saying, hey, we've started this podcast. It's about this subject. We'd really love you to come on and talk to us. How do you feel about it? And we would get emails back from people and they'd be like, well, can you send us an episode? Like, what is it? How many listeners have you got? How how long? You know, we were like, well, zero listeners at this moment in time. Hey, we're, we're listening. <laughs> so it was quite tricky. Um, we lucked out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. So we had the CEO of Paradise Wildlife Park come on, which for us was like quite a big coup because they're quite local to where we are. But the luck that we had is one of our team members was actually related to her. So we had a little bit of an ins there already. Mm. Um. And then I think some of the others, we, again, it was just, we just got them, maybe just got them at the right time. They had something that they wanted to talk about that they were quite keen to to kind of get out in the world. And then actually it was a case of, I stalked people a little bit. (laughs) So I went to the visitor attractions conference at the end of 2018. I know it was in 2019, sorry. So I'd been kind of stalking people that had spoken at the attractions conference previously and kind of saying, oh, like, you know, I really loved your talk. It was really interesting. I wondered if you could come on and talk about the same thing on our podcast. And that's how I got a few of the early of the second series people come on. So Jules Osbeck, who I think is fantastic. I heard her speak at the attractions conference into at the end of 2019. And then I, yeah, I just, I basically just stalked her a little bit on LinkedIn and, and, and asked her really kindly if she would come on the podcast, which she agreed to. And also Abigail Olive as well, who was awesome from mm-hmm. Castle Howard. Her story um, about her, the, the, she shared the, the love story. Um, you must, yes. it, it, you must go back and listen to this episode because it's a brilliant story, but it was about how they kind of, this a wonderful love story that had happened that then brought them all of these incredible kind of Chinese tourists to the place um and she was fabulous and I think once people hear the kind of caliber of guests that you can get it sort of spirals a little bit from them but those those first ones were it was really really tough and I just think you've just got to keep plowing on and asking people people will say no but don't be offended by that. Some of the people that have said no would probably say yes now if I went back because I can sh- showcase what we've done and who's been on. Yeah, no, and so how about now, now, Kelly? Do you have sort of a long waiting list of guests lined up? I mean, I know you, you sort of plan your series, don't you? So are you, are you find it easy to get guests now? Are you, how do you go about it now? Now you're yeah. So I still stalk people, if I'm honest. Uh, but <laughs> um, so... The, what I think what's great is that guests that we've had on there, there is something really lovely about the attraction sector in that there is a community there already mm-hmm. and yes. what is wonderful is that we've had guests on that I've then been able to say who do you think that we should have on like who do you think has got a really interesting story and I can remember doing this with Carly Strawn um 
and Johnny as well. Both of them had really good chats with them after their episodes and said, like, could you recommend some people that you think that would be really great for us? And they're so well connected and they know everybody in the industry. And they were like, yeah, oh, they sent me lists of people. They were like, you need to speak to this person. This person would be great. And so that's kind of how it spiraled but because they knew them obviously those guests come on and then they knew more people and more people so that that's the best that's one of the best ways is like saying to your guests who do you think should come on and talk about this because you know the, the industry better than we do right now and then I do stalk people I go onto Twitter and like I said there is quite an active attractions kind of community on Twitter mm. and I see who people are talking to or I see you know Blue Loop is a fantastic resource attractions magazine is a is another great resource I see stories that come up in there and I think wow that'd make a great podcast episode let's talk to them you know so I've got my eye on the um on on the Black County Museum at the moment so I've got a little uh I'm doing a little bit of stalking on that at the moment because I'd love them to come on and talk about their TikTok fame and and so stuff like that happens where you see what's going on and you think great they would be awesome and and then you just reach out to them but um, you do, uh, you know, I do get people email us, not not very often, actually, but occasionally people email us and say, I think this person would make a great guest on the podcast or we've got this thing that we'd love to talk about. I have to be really conscious that there are sometimes people that will contact that kind of, I don't want the podcast ever to be salesy. You know, for me, right, this yeah. is a, it, is, it is an education piece and it's it's really important that it stays an educational piece. So I try and to get that balance right between the kind of people that do come on and what they're talking about and those topics. So sometimes people will say, I've got this thing that I've launched. I want to come on and talk about. And I don't know that that's a good fit for the mm. audience at that point. So. Fab. And what about, pro- I mean, promotion of, of a podcast from the early days of getting it known, I guess was word of mouth, but, and now, you know, how do you promote it? How do you keep gaining more listeners and, how have you done your how have you got your success <laughs> well it's lovely that you think it's successful it's interesting because I think that success is really subjective um so again it goes back to your objectives and what and what you were trying to achieve from it and because our top one was always about education we weren't that focused mm. on what the numbers were so you know if people are, oh how many downloads do you get it's not really that relevant to us because that not what we were we weren't aiming to be like number one in the podcast charts so the way that we've promoted it is by understanding where the community is so where do the people that would be our listeners hang out and it's mostly twitter um it's really it's a very active community on twitter so that's really where we do most of our promotion so we've got a, a twitter account specifically for skip the queue we will post out on there when the new episodes are coming and we'll make kind of graphics and snippets and we'll do as much as we can to kind of promote the guest. It's it's actually probably more about promoting the guest than it is about promoting the podcast, if that makes sense. So we're really trying Mm, to highlight those people and and raise them up. Um, And what's great is that, you know, so many people then help us spread the word. So the best, the best people to, share and promote the podcast are the guests that come on and we are just we've been really lucky that we've had great guests that have wanted to do that you know we've had other great guests that have come on and that's it they've come on they've done the podcast they've they've shared their knowledge you know we we don't hear from them again they're not they, they haven't shared any of the kind of tweets or any of the, the kind of posts and that's fine if that's that's not their bag but then you do get a huge proportion of people that really want to, you know, they're really proud of the fact that they've been on, they want to share what they've done with other people. And that's really where you see the numbers start to kind of grow and the interaction happen. You know, we've got some really incredible, like loyal fan base. You know, you are one of them, Paul, you know, you're always super generous with sharing, you know, what you think about the podcast or, you know, what you've learned from it. And Mark Ellis does as well from the National Arboretum. And that's, that's how you you kind of spread the word. There are other things that you can do, which we haven't we haven't done as actively as we could. But things like going on other people's podcasts is a really good way of promoting your own podcast. And and I was very kindly invited on the Attraction Pros podcast, which is our it's, it's the US equivalent. Um, Josh and Matt, who run that, are fabulous, and you should, and, and honestly, all of our listeners should should be subscribed to that if you're not already, because they get some really interesting guests on there, and they ask great questions as well. 
So that was a really lovely opportunity for us to kind of cross promote and Matt and, and Josh have both been back on our podcast as well. So hopefully that's kind of helped and, and crossed, you know, crossed the big pond. Um, some, sometimes it is also about getting a, a big name to come on, on the podcast too. And that kind of drives up your listeners because, you know, they, uh, when, so I reached out, oh God, I was so nervous about doing this. So I, I asked um, the XVP of Disney if he would come on the podcast. And I was terrified. I sent this email on LinkedIn thinking he's never going to reply to me. And honestly, five minutes later, he emailed back was like, yeah, I'll come on. God, now I've got to actually interview him. I was so nervous. But, you know, that was incredible, the kind of value that that gave to the podcast and then how it, it was able to position it. After that, I mean, nobody, no one said no to coming on the podcast since that point. So, well, you're like Lee Cockerell, you really are hard hitting, aren't you? And, and of course, I think from his perspective, I guess, because he's got a brilliant weekly podcast, his son Dan's got a brilliant weekly podcast. So, you know, they are, as you said, going on up with the podcast, I guess, it's a great way. And, you said it was a brilliant episode of you on a on attractions pro with and as was when Matt and Josh came in yours. Um, you talked about not worrying about the stats, but is there a little bit of you, Kelly, that is, thinks it's like top of the pops? You know, back in the old days, and you're you're wanting to see where you are on that list and, and see how many people are listening. I know I would. I don't check it very frequently. I'll be completely really? honest, and I don't check it very frequently. I I, um, I started to do a top three. Uh, on Twitter that um, who's the top like the top three downloaded episodes because I thought that'd be interesting for the listeners to know but I did check it before the before we recorded this because I knew you're going to ask so the the most downloaded episode at the moment is the making of Harry Potter oh yeah so that was a great episode and that at the moment is on about 270 downloads so that's like 270 individual like brand new downloads and at the minute I think we're just about to hit 6,000 downloads in total I don't really even know what that means though so again I'm just not that bothered about it it is a niche podcast it's not for everybody and it was never made to be for everybody as well so I just think for me the numbers don't really matter that much good answer um yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And I suppose for you, it's a it's a quality, not quantity, because you're getting to the people who are in that business and, and, and going back to your original objectives, might well want to work with a digital agency and, you know, you guys are there for on the tips of everyone's tongues, I guess, which is achieving objectives. Hopefully, yes. It's achieving one of the objectives. That would be wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, our next question was all about the tech side, and I think you've really wrote, um, you've talked about a lot of things like the equipment you need, but also, you know, so... When you're planning your episode, so your guest has agreed to come on, you, you've contacted them and stalked them through various social medias. They know they're being followed. They think, well, I better say yes, otherwise Kelly's never going to leave me alone. Um, <laughs> tell me a bit about what you do after that to prepare your guests or to plan the episode. So a lot of the time I, I will have, I'll, I'll have invited that guest on for a specific reason. So there'll be something that I've seen that they'll be talking about that I'll think that would be a great that would be really great to understand a bit more about that. And I think our listeners would like that as well. So that's normally how it starts. Sometimes we have like a, a pre-podcast chat. So it might just like five or 10 minute chat about what we can talk about. Sometimes it might just be I'll email, email over and say, look, I've heard you speak about this topic. I think it would be great to come on to the podcast. How do you fancy it? If they say yes, then I kind of work out a few pre-questions. So I don't like it to be super structured. I mean, obviously there is a structure to the podcast. You all know that there's icebreaker questions coming. You know that I'm going to ask for an unpopular opinion. But the rest of the podcast is I I try to kind of structure it in a way where there's three or four key questions that I really want to understand. But the rest of it is quite conversational. So it can go off on a bit of a tangent. And sometimes that's quite it's a bit more relaxed for for the Mm. guest. But also some guests, they like to know what we're going to be talking about and what they're going to be asked. So by doing by giving them like three or four questions that structure the topic of that of that conversation, it makes them feel a bit more at ease because they kind of Mm. know what to expect. So that's what I do. I just and then there'll be other times where I just think this person's really great and they would make a really great guest. I think they'd be a great guest, but I might not have seen anything that I think they've they've been showcasing or they've been talking about so then we'll have a chat and say 
what what could you share with the listeners? What would you think would be relevant for them right now? Have you been through anything recently that's been a really learning, you know, a learning curve for you? Have you had any challenges that you're happy to, to come on and talk about? Or, you know, is something really exciting just about to happen that you think our listeners would be really interested in understanding more about and why that's happened? So it's a it's a bit of a mixture. Brilliant. So I'm sure some of our listeners today have been, have been listening in because they are thinking about starting a podcast or they've, you know, and, and I think it's been really great, Kelly, even so honest, because I think it isn't an easy process, it seems. You know, there's a lot of work involved in it. And I think it's great that people know that. But if people were thinking of starting a podcast, what are your key tips or advice you'd give them? So I think that it's going back to what we talked about initially. So it's why are you doing this in the first place? You know, what are your objectives for starting a podcast? Um, and they're going to be very different depending on what what you do as an organisation, you know, whether you're a supplier to the industry, whether you are, you know, the National Football Museum, for example, came on mm. and they talked a lot about why they started their podcast. Yes, um, and, you know, a lot of that was to facilitate the fact that they weren't open. They'd got all of these fantastic kind of, uh, you know, artefacts, artefacts, you know, shirts, you know, all, all of those things that they could talk about and have conversations about. and they'd got kind of a lot of content already that they knew that they could do something with. So the podcast seemed like a natural way of getting that out to the public when they couldn't visit the center. So go right back and and think about what it is that you want to achieve by setting up this podcast. And, you know, that might be education. It might be getting something out to the world that you've got to share. It might be, it genuinely might just be you're an agency and you want to position yourselves in a certain sector. There's other agencies that we know have podcasts who work in the tech sector, for instance. So they focus on having tech guests and, and, and those kind of conversations. And then you really, you really need to think about where your audience is, because I don't think it's enough to just have a podcast. You, you really want to be building some kind of community around that podcast, or it's just use. It's just, it's just output all the time. You know, there's no engagement. There's no, it doesn't go to a deeper level, you know, like we've had so, so many incredible guests on there now. And a lot of those guests have kind of turned into people that I can just call on about stuff or I can email and say, how about this? Or, or, Oh, I saw this thing that I think that you'd really love ego. And I like that, you know, I think that there's a, there's a, a real positive energy to that. So, you know, really think about what your objectives are, who, who your audience is, where they are, what do they want? You know, what do, what does your audience want to listen to? You know, what is going to be relevant to them right now? We launched Skip the Queue uh, the middle of 2019, which was very different to the middle of 2020. And so when we brought it back in 2020, for us, it was all about, okay, maybe COVID situation has given us a little bit of an opportunity here because our audience is going to be probably far more engaged this year than they would last year. They've got a lot of time on their hands, sadly, with, with you know, venues being closed and people being on furlough. What would help them right now? You know, what would be useful to them right now? And so we pitched it as, you know, let's get people on that can share their experiences of, of how they you know, how this has impacted them, what they're doing to plan for reopening, you know, what, what things are they thinking about past COVID? How has this changed what their marketing plans might look like how has this changed what you know their digital strategy and what that might look like so really really think about what's relevant to the audience that you're trying to get in front of at that time yeah I think they're I think they're my they're my top tips you've mentioned objectives quite a bit Kelly which is fascinating during this and do you feel when you sit back you and Paul looking back at why you started it out you've ticked those objectives I mean it sounds like you have but do you feel you know that you have yeah, I do. I And I feel really proud of what we've achieved, actually. Mm. I think that I've always been quite honest and said that I think that, that actually the podcast was the thing that got me through last year, because um, although we work in the sector, we were very fortunate to be relatively busy last year as a digital agency because of the situation and people having to kind of pivot and make those those changes. But it was still really, really tough. And for me, being able to speak to someone new and really interesting every week or every couple of weeks that could come on the podcast was just a bit of a lifesaver, really. It really helped me. But yeah, in terms of the objectives, 
has it ticked all the boxes? I mean, absolutely. I mean, what we know now about the sector and what we know about the people in it and the network that we have in it is phenomenal. Mm. Um, I couldn't have asked for, for more from it. And it has brought, it has really brought some really interesting things. So for example, you know, I talked about going on the attractions, attraction pros podcast you know we've because of our podcast we've been asked to go on to other people's podcasts and that's kind of helped promote our services and and our services and what we do isn't really what we talk about on the podcast that much so that's been really nice um we've been asked to speak at webinars we we were always going to exhibit at the visitor attractions conference last year which we did but Mm -hmm. I think the fact that we had the podcast kind of helped me then get a speaker slot at that as well because they could hear that I was you know maybe not a bumbling idiot I don't know (laughs) so maybe that that bolstered my chance of getting a speaker slot um and we've been asked to contribute to publications we you know like I said we've got an amazing network we've built up all of these fantastic connections and community but actually you know it has brought leads as well it has brought us kind of leads and things into the business where people have said well, I was looking for an agency and found you, but then I heard the podcast as well. And it's so it, it reinforces your understanding of the sector, which I think makes people feel more trustworthy um, towards you and more confident that you kind of know, you, you'll understand what's important to them mm. and their challenges. Yeah, no, I think it's really done that. Um, and, and moving forward, you know, obviously you, the last year has been successful, as we've said earlier, some amazing guests. What do you see... How do you take it forward? What what? How do you take it forward? Is it more of the same, or do you branch off into different things? What do you what What do you do next? It's a really good question. So there's lots of things that I've been thinking about doing. We are going to have a little bit of a summer break, um, yeah. and we're going to come back in October. So um, just because we've been doing this continuously for a whole year now, and it's mm. it's it wasn't what I expected. I always thought we'd do kind of I, I thought we'd make it very seasonal. So we'd do like eight or 10 episodes and then have a break and then do more. But I loved it so much last year and genuinely it was keeping my spirits up. I said to Paul, I'm just going to carry on. I'm just going to keep going through. Um, But it is definitely time for a little bit of a rest while all you guys open up this summer and go crazy with all the visitors that are going to come. I I might just put my feet up for a little while. Um, I definitely want to do some kind of panel events. There's some Mm. things that Hannah and I, Hannah Monteverdi from um, Be Wilderwood spoke about, about kind of women in the sector, which I think would be really interesting. And I'd like to get more, I'd like to do more kind of panel events in terms of hot topics in the sector as well. And so Mm. have three or four, four kind of panelists that come on and talk about things. I really would like to do an event. I would love to do, some kind of skip the queue event I don't know what that would be whether it'd be like a little mini conference or um a live podcast event I think live podcast Steve will probably go insane listen to this and go no don't do it but I think I would really like to do something where you know we get everybody together because it 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 has really felt like a bit of a kind of community effort where people have got behind us and it would be really nice to put something on when we got everyone together um when we're able to do so I've, I've got something like that ticking around in my head definitely more of the same as well if if that's what everyone wants to to hear but I I, I mean I take this opportunity to ask you know what do our listeners what would our listeners want you know if you're happy with the way it's going great we'll do more of that if there's if there's extra things that you'd love us to do or you think would be really interesting then then email me kelly at rubbercheese.com don't don't be shy. Brilliant. Kelly, thank you so much for sharing everything with us today. But more importantly, thank you for everything you've done the last year. These podcasts have been a lifeline for so many of us. We've all loved listening. And as you, you know, you've built up this family of regular listeners who comment all the time. And I know people look forward to it and you know, can't wait to download and listen. Um, and you see that now and how quickly people are you're responding to your episodes and with comments on it. So, but you know, I know from what you've told us today, you've really got into just how much work it is. So on behalf of everyone and all the listeners, thank you so much. But we can't finish, of course, without a book recommendation. And I hope you've got several, so you have to drive your marketing budget through the roof. So, Kelly, I want to know a book that you would recommend and our listeners can uh, can get by um, retweeting this episode and saying, I want Kelly's book um, on Twitter. So what is your book recommendation? 
So this is the book that I have probably recommended the most throughout my career. And I read it about a year into having set up Rubber Cheese because, um, or maybe about six, six to eight months into setting up Rubber Cheese because somebody said to me, oh, you need to get out, uh, you need to start networking. And I was mm-hmm. like, what the hell is that then? I don't know, I don't know, what is, what is networking? What do you do? And they said, oh, you know, you go to meetings and you meet loads of interesting people and, um, you know, you just talk to them. And I was like, all right. I was 25. I was like, okay, uh, that sounds weird, but I'll do it. Um, but somebody recommended I read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm. And it is a really old book, but it is genuinely the book that I credit with kind of changing my whole perspective about how to listen to people, you know, about how to have really good conversations. And ultimately, it is, it is the book that I've given out the most to people. So I think, you know, I've really a really lovely girl that I know um I was mentoring her for a little while uh a couple of years ago and that was the first book that I sent her and said you have a read of this I think you'll you'll really enjoy it and and it's the one it's just the one book that I've sent out religiously to people you know I've made I've made Lee read when he started his photography business and because I just think it's there's something about it that just makes you really understand that it is about the other person more than it is about you um Mm. And I think when you're younger, you maybe, well, well, me personally, when I was younger, maybe didn't really understand that fully about how to listen to people and understand what was important to them and letting them speak. So that would be my recommendation. Thank you. And as I say, if you want that book, retweet this episode link and uh, put I want Kelly's book and Kelly will send you a copy. <laughs> I will. If you're the winner, if you're the one lucky winner, I should say, we'll send them out to everyone because... Kelly's budget doesn't stretch that far. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on Skip the Queue. It's been so insightful, so brilliant. And uh, thank you for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. I really enjoyed this, Paul. So thank you for being a fabulous interviewer today. You're very kind. Thanks for listening to Skip the Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip the Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese, a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.